this morning, I want to carry on with what we have been busy with last week, and uh, we are looking at a series that I've entitled The Apostle Paul's Last Words, and this is part two, and we're looking at 2 Timothy. That's the last known writings of this great apostle, and we looked at in chapter four just these powerful words that he says in verse six of chapter four on the next slide, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure. Remember, he's literally, before he gets executed by the Emperor Nero, this is when it happens. And he says these immortal words, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What powerful words. I'm not going to unpack it again, but folks, there's a good fight that you and I have for the sake of the king and his kingdom. There's some nasty fights that I don't believe God wants us to get into. And to discern that requires such wisdom. Listen to last week's message. I have finished the race, folks. Paul had such a conviction that the race represents the call of God on your life and my life. It's a different race to anybody else's race. And he was so aware. I have run the race, the calling, the purpose for which I'm on this earth. He says, I finished the race. What a delight. I pray that for every single one of you. You know that when you, when you get to that time, you can say, I've finished the race. I've poured my life out for things that matter. Amen? It's such a delight to be able to say that one day. And I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. He had faith right until the end, even though he knows it's all ending soon. He's still in faith. It's just so beautiful. And I want to I read something to you that um, Steve Farrar wrote in the book, Finishing Strong. And uh, on the next slide, what does it mean to finish strong? And this is what it means. It means that you will come to the end of your life with a strong and close relationship with Christ. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? To know Jesus, to have intimate relationship with Jesus, is, is surely it must be a major aspiration of every single Christian person. It means that unless God has taken your spouse ahead of you, you'll be married to the same person that you are today. And all the married people said, Amen. Okay. You know, I I love it when people come up and say, I'd like to introduce you to my first and only wife. (laughs) I hope hope that'll be my reality as well. It means that you are a person who is in the Scriptures and living the Scriptures. Oh, I love that. In the Scriptures and living the Scriptures, incarnation. Remember, Jesus is the Word made flesh. When we are in the Scriptures and we are walking according to the Scriptures, we look like Jesus. We become like Jesus. It means that you are a person who has fought some battles for the kingdom and has the scars to prove it. Paul said, I fought the good fight. Folks, to advance the queer kingdom requires confrontation with darkness. That implies spiritual battle. And God, I believe, wants us to overcome in spiritual battles. Do you have the scars to show it? You know, A.W. Tozer made those fa- that famous comment. He said, I do not trust a man who doesn't walk with a limp. <laughs> What's he referring to? Remember Jacob wrestled with God all night? And at the end of the night, he, he said, I will not let go of you unless you touch me. 
And the angel Lord that he was wrestling with touched him on his hip. And the Bible says he walked with a limp. That means you've wrestled with God. It says that of Jacob. He wrestled with God and he overcame. Amen. There are, folks, there are wrestles with God that you and I got to do for the kingdom. You know, Bill Johnson says, there are some things in the grace of God that just come to you for free. You, it's just like God that was too easy. But there are some things in the kingdom that you've got to go after, that you've got to press into. And, you know, for, for some it's different. You know, some people come to Christ and they're this hectic drug addict and they are just, boom, set free. They give their heart to Jesus and there's like no withdrawal symptoms. It's amazing. Ask Jackie Pullinger. I mean, she had an amazing breakthrough in Hong Kong. I mean, for many years in that area. Some people, to have that same breakthrough, takes, takes just, let me say, a major, major battle to break through. I don't know where your battles are. They're different to mine. But folks, we call to fight a good fight. Means you're a person who has fought some battles for the kingdom and has the scars to prove it. Next slide. To finish strong. Means that you are leaving your children and grandchildren the priceless heritage of a godly life. The priceless heritage of a godly life. Folks, have you got a vision to live a godly life that when, when your children, your grandchildren, one day at your funeral service or memorial service, when the things they say about you is godly stuff. I mean, that must just be one of the greatest rewards. To do this takes vision. This vision will enable you to keep your daily focus and will enable you to be faithful each day. You know, folks, we talk about, okay, finishing strong. And, you know, I, I said last time, I don't know if that is six months from, from now or 60 years from now. The question is, do you have a vision for finishing strong? And if it's 60 years from now, that means there are a lot of daily days between here and then. And how do you live daily? Because how you live daily determines how you finish strong. It's not, it's, it's not actually complicated. I love my, my children. I often, they often, you know, when you're overwhelmed with exams or a project or something, I often just say, I ask them this question and, and, and they know it. How do you eat an elephant? Uh, any, any of my children over here? Oh, there's another child over there. <laughs> One bite at a time. Amen. How do you make sure you finish strong? Well, today I'm going to live a godly life. Today I'm going to pursue relationship with Jesus. Today I'm going to spend time in the scriptures. Today I'm going to love my spouse. Folks, you do that stuff daily. It's not difficult stuff. You do that daily. But after 60 years... It's like, wow, my mom was such a godly person. My dad served God his whole life. What a test me. Folks, you know, I love the glory stories. You know what those glory stories are? You know, it's the David and Goliath story, you know? Like against all the odds, you're a David. You slew Goliath. I mean, it's amazing. Folks, I want to tell you some of the greatest Christian glory stories are he faithfully served God for 60 years. And his children honored him because he was a godly man. And he loved their mother his whole life. What a glory story that is. Amen? He loved, you know, they say, the greatest gift you can give to your children 
is to love their mother. You love your children's mother. Do you know how much you are ministering to your children about what your father in heaven is like? To do this takes vision. This vision will enable you to keep your daily focus and will enable you to be faithful each day. This vision will enable you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12, the author and finisher of your faith. Folks, where are you looking? Are you looking at Jesus? Can you see Jesus at the end? In the next slide, in the Christian life, it's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish that matters. I want to share a story with you that, you know, it's one of these stories I read and it impacted me. But I wasn't sure it would necessarily impact everybody here. But you know what? I was wrestling with this and I just decided, you know, it really ministered to me. So here we go. It's the story of a guy called David Flood. And I'll read this story. And this is from Steve Farrar's book, Finishing Strong. David was a Swede, i.e. from Sweden. Are there any Swedes over here? <laughs> I know we've got a, a Swiss over here. Um, I don't know about any Swedes from Sweden who committed his life to Jesus Christ in his youth. He married a young woman named Svea. Svea. I don't know. I'm, I'm not good at Swedish names. Svea. S-V-E-A. Okay, that's her name. Who shared his love and commitment to Christ. They felt called to serve the Lord in Africa and arrived on those distant shores in 1921. Okay, this is written from America. Okay, so it's not distant shores for us. We realize that. With all their hearts, they wanted to work among people who had never heard the gospel. As it turned out, the work was very hard. The conditions were really tough and the people were very hostile to the gospel. Their lives were constantly in danger. This couple had two children in those difficult conditions. Shortly after the second child was born, Sphere passed away. David, already consumed by doubts and discouragement about, about the lack of results they were experiencing in the ministry, was devastated by the passing of his wife. All he had to show for his years of efforts, was one convert, just one young boy. He had sacrificed his wife, and he had sacrificed the best years of his life. For what? For what? Just one kid? He had been a fool for bringing Sphere into this hostile and cruel situation. He was eaten by guilt and despair and it was under that cloud of defeat and failure that he decided to leave Africa. He took his young son with him yet had to leave his infant daughter behind since she was too sick to travel. A missionary couple took his daughter in but when they subsequently also died she was passed on to another missionary couple who later raised her in America. Folks, do you know that in the 1800s, the average lifespan of a missionary in Africa was two years? Two years. 
Uh, I mean, the stories of the, 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 yeah, the, the things the guys went through is quite incredible. I've read some books about it. In the meantime, so, so I finished this, I was reading here, this couple took her to the little girl to America. In the meantime, David, who, was, who had moved back to Sweden, turned his back on his faith. And after his second marriage dissolved, he began living with a mistress. He thought little of his daughter, whom he had left in Africa. But his daughter, Aggie, thought lots about her father. She had learned about the work that her father and her mother had done in Africa. She desperately wanted to talk with him about it. Aggie later got married and together with her husband lived in America, but with all her heart she wanted to find a father. Years later, she was able to arrange the trip to Sweden and she found her 73-year-old bedridden father, living in a shabby apartment littered with liquor bottles. She went to her father. She told him. She told him she still loved him and that God did too. And then she told him about his one convert in Africa. She told him about the little boy that had grown up to become a gifted leader and powerful minister of the gospel. That one little boy eventually led thousands of others to Christ and helped to establish the church of Jesus Christ in that region of Africa. Upon hearing what God had done, David threw himself on the mercy of God. He asked God to forgive his rebellion and wasted years. And God did. David didn't know that he had just six months left to live. But in those six months were months of amazing fruitfulness and the restoration of broken relationships. After nearly 40 years of turning away from God, David Flood got up, turned back to God, and finished his race. Believe it or not, he finished his race strong. If the Lord can do that for someone like David Flood, then he can do it for you. It's never too late to get back on course and pursue Christ with your whole heart. Thanks, love. Finishing strong does not mean finishing unblemished. Finishing strong does not mean finishing perfect. That's not possible in the Christian life. It's not how you start that matters. It's how you finish that matters. Let me say, how you get to the finish matters as well. But folks, at the end of the day, how do you finish? I read to you about having a vision for finishing strong. Folks, it's a bold vision that will affect how you live today. It will determine, for example, your commitment to the Word of God. Because folks, I don't know what trials you and I will face one day. Or in the days until that day but can I tell you some trials in my experience you know you that's the reality of trials you 
you don't foresee them. And there have been some trials I didn't think I would be able to get through. By the grace of God, let me tell you, I'm still standing here today. And I do want to say, I, I said to Jen one time, I said, Jen, for example, we came 17 years ago to plant a church in Peter Maritzburg. And I'm still standing in the pulpit preaching with faith in my Jesus. And, you know, I remember saying to Jen, you know, the privilege of having to bring God's word has been one of the greatest sources of strength for me. Bringing God's word, having to dig into God's word has been amazing. And I want to look at a couple of things. I want to look at a couple of things. And I was like, Lord, how do I unpack such a significant message as this message? Last night, we, we were invited to a special birthday party for Andrew Crickmay. Many of you know him. He's part of our church. And Andrew turned 60 last week, and it was a big, it was a big thing for him. So right now you can message him. So anyway, we went down, down to, well, it was the North Coast. They had a, and he invited friends, folks. It was amazing. He invited a guy who was his roommate when he was in res at university. And I chatted to Pitt, who's now retired. And I chatted to a number of other really amazing people. You know, they, they say the measure of a man is seen in his friends. And if I look at Andrew's friends, like, wow, he's quite a guy. But I was chatting to Andrew's father-in-law, Kathy's dad. And I've known Dudley for many years. I've known Dudley for more than 30 years. And Dudley is 83 now. He's really not well, has faced many health problems, struggling to walk. And I was speaking to Dudley. And he was telling me about his... Re a book next to his bed that he is reading called Finishing Strong. <laughs> I was like, Dudley, do you know what I'm preaching about? Do you know what book I'm reading? And it was just such a delight. You know, Dudley, 83, he has faithfully served God. He's been a pillar of just a godly man. For Well, I've known him for 30 years. He was my age when I met him. Just such an example. And, you know what, I, I, I don't know how long Dudley will live, but, you know, I know when Dudley eventually goes, his funeral memorial service is going to be, I don't want to, it's going to be quite amazing. And particularly what, what I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing is his children and his grandchildren speaking about what a godly example. He was a businessman and just such an example of a godly man. Um, and so there are many examples. So I was, I was saying, Lord, there's so many ways. When you talk about finishing strong, there's so many things that could be said. But I felt constrained by the reality that we are looking at 2 Timothy and I was like, Lord, what can I pull out of this book, the last book that this great man of God, Paul the Apostle, writes to his spiritual son? And he's writing to his spiritual son that his spiritual son would finish strong. I read to Timothy. I listened to it. 
on, on remember the, uh, the YouVersion app, I listened to it in about three different translations. Listen, you can listen to a book like this in, I don't know, it takes six minutes or something like that. It doesn't take a lot of time to listen to like a, a whole book of the Bible. I was just listening and listening. And I was listening for this, Lord. There's so much in it. There's so much truth. What do you want me to highlight for his people for this Sunday morning? And, and this, this, this scripture just really jumped out for me. And it's 2 Timothy 1 verse 12 to 14. And I'll read it and then reverse and just unpack some elements. Paul says, I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Just three verses and I want to unpack it and there are just a couple of other things I want to look at. Firstly, Paul says, I know whom I have believed. And folks, you know, believing is... It's important to know what you believe. How many of you say it's, it's good to know what you believe? Folks, but when you understand that for us Christians, believing is not just some document, statement of faith or statement of belief. Folks, for us Christians, belief is very personal. It's relational. Belief, trust, faith, folks, it's a relational component. It's, it's something that you would expect communicate with somebody you're walking with. Folks, trust is foundational in a marriage relationship. And he says, I know whom I have believed. Folks, knowing Jesus was one of Paul the Apostle's greatest pursuits. One of his greatest desires. Knowing Jesus. And folks, the belief comes out of knowing Jesus. You, what you believe is important. But knowing Him is more important than just a document, a statement of faith. My question is, do you know Him? You know, it's sad if you're sitting here and say, well, I did know Him. Well, I thought I knew Him. Yeah. Folks, this journey of getting to know Jesus, it is actually infinite how much you and I can get to know Jesus this side of eternity. So I just love those words. He says, I know whom I've believed. And folks, it's coming out of knowing Jesus. The stuff he's writing here, he's saying, guys, this isn't just head knowledge. He had a big brain. He was a Pharisee, memorized extensive chapters of the Bible. We know he had a big brain, but he says, it's not this part of me. It is this part of me. I know him. I know whom I believed, and I am convinced. So coming out of knowing Jesus, he says, I'm convinced he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. For that day. You know, those words, for that day. I, I read that and I was like, Paul, which day are you referring to? We know you are facing an imminent execution by Nero. Are you talking about that day, which could have been weeks away, days away, months away? We're not sure. Or are you talking about that day when Jesus comes back, revealed with His angels in glory, and we are caught up, those who are not dead in Christ, are caught up to, to join Him in the clouds as the Scriptures do. That day when Jesus returns to this, this earth, is He talking about that day? 
you know, I was, I was like, man, maybe I can look at the Greek and figure it out. That's what he says in the original. He says that day. And I was reading one Bible scholar and he says, you know, unfortunately, we won't know because this was a personal letter written to Timothy. I'm sure Timothy had heard Paul preach about that day. Guys, are you ready for that day? And I, I can imagine Paul preaching about that day. So when, when, when Paul writes to Timothy that he is able to guard what I've entrusted him for that day, I'm sure Timothy was like, I remember that sermon by my spiritual papa. Whoo, that day. I know God will keep it until that day. Well, I'm not sure which day. Is it his day when he goes to be the Lord? Or is it when the Lord comes at the end of the ages, I don't know. But folks, this is what he is saying. What you give to Jesus, and he says, I know this because I know my Jesus, he will guard until that day. Whether it's your end or the end of the planet as we know it, the end of the world as we know it, it doesn't matter. He is faithful to guard it. What is that? Folks, maybe it's your children. What about your dreams and aspirations? What about those prayers that you've prayed that you were like, oh, this is a big prayer. Folks, He's able to guard those things. He's able to guard and keep those precious things that are most dear to your heart. Folks, that is... And, and you, you know, my personal conviction is that I think it is because Paul's... His day was close. He knew that. My personal conviction that it was when Jesus comes back. Paul's ministry, the 14, 13, sorry, 14 churches he started. He writes in the scriptures how, how burdened he was for the people. And it's not, it's not a building, folks. It's people. In this book, remember, he mentions 23 people by name in this book. Friends and foes. Some people who were amazing, faithful to him. And some people who he mentions deserted him and just left him. He was a people person. Folks, when he says, able to guard what I've entrusted to him, I believe it's lots of people's names that he's given to the Lord. He's saying, God, would you keep that person? I can't be there. I know I'm out of there. I'm never going to get out of this jail cell alive. But God, would you keep that person and that person and that person? God is a protector, folks. Can we press into the reality of committing our people to the Lord? Our dear ones to the Lord. Verse 13. What you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Folks, what you heard from me. Now Paul was hugely committed to the Scriptures. But folks, he understood the reality that God uses people to bring the Scriptures alive into our lives. Folks, I listen to sermons because I need to hear the Word of God. There are, there are people in my life that I value. God's placed them into my life. And nowadays, we can easily, easily listen. But folks, this is my question. He says, what you have heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching. With faith and love in Christ Jesus. Firstly, folks, I want to highlight was committed to the scriptures but he is saying what you heard from me folks god has always worked with people that and i, I want to tell you preaching is an amazing thing i never know exactly what i'm going to say i do slides etc and i'm thinking i don't even know what i'm going to say about these slides no matter how much i prepare so often i go home and i'm like 
God, I never imagined I would say that. God, because the Holy Spirit reveals things to you when you spend time in scriptures. So often I'll read a scripture and I think I'm going to say this. And in that moment, God shows me totally different things. Folks, there's an anointing on scripture. The Holy Spirit brings forth truth through people. Do you have people in your life that are bringing the word of God to you? And this is what Paul's saying. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching. He's not just saying, you know, read those, read the scriptures, the Bible over and over. He's saying, remember that sermon. I mean, for example, this point of one day. I can imagine Paul preaching about one day, that day. And when he writes one day, Timothy remembers that word. He remembers that anointing on that word. When Paul was passionately preaching about that one day. Amen. And he says, what you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching. It's interesting that he uses the word pattern. Because folks, what is a pattern? A pattern is nearly like a prototype. You know, when, uh, I mean, I've used the example of when you cut out a garment, a dress, uh, you know, a pair of shorts, you have a pattern. Folks, you make a car, they make a, a prototype, a mold of what it is. Folks, there are I want to submit to you. There are people who are brilliant, and I want to say that of, of bringing forth Scripture in a way that is just so helpful to us. You can start reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I recommend it. Absolutely read your Bible. But I have been so helped by people who've pulled things out of Scripture, and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I want to submit to you. You know, Pastor Steve Murrell, his, his, his primary gifting is he's a teacher. He's an apostolic teacher, if you want to tell me, if I, if I had to define his role. He's an apostolic teacher. For example, he wrote our little one-to-one booklet, uh, which we do as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a discipleship tool. Folks, 12 lessons that the more I, I, I spend time in the book, the more I do it with people, the more I'm like, this is brilliant. We've been doing it in our, in our Men's Connect and a number of other Connect groups recently. And I'm just amazed. And, and when I was saying, keep as a pattern of sound teaching, you know, when, when I do the one-to-one with somebody, I'm not looking and thinking, well, how can I change it? And, and I am, I'm honestly, I'm wanting to be true to the pattern that Pastor Steve Moore laid out when he wrote that little booklet, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ago. Verse 14, God, the good deposit that was entrusted to you, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Remember, Paul had spoken about God guarding what is entrusted to him. He's saying here to Timothy, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Folks, there have been things, and especially if you've been walking with the Lord, I want to submit to you, there have been amazing deposits made into your life. You are a gazillionaire in the spirit because you have had a lot of prophetic words, prayer. You spend a lot of time in scripture. Uh, you've you've heard, heard a lot of sermons. You've been encouraged. You are so full of stuff. And I want to say this because of this, you know. When you're young and a new Christian, it's all new. It's all fascinating. You know, you're just reading and looking. And I mean, it's so much to explore. But folks... You know, there comes a time where it's like you actually don't need another 15 prophecies right now because what have you done with the last 15? Have you, are you guarding the deposit? Those promises you've already, are you guarding them? And you know, guarding needs to sometimes be an aggressive attitude. 
Let me tell you, around our city nowadays, especially since the looting, have you noticed how armed our guards are? I mean, there's a shopping center in town. I mean, the armed guards walking around with automatic submachine guns. And I'm like, these guards are serious about guarding. Okay? Guarding requires sometimes confrontation. You know, um, it, it says in Scripture, Jesus said, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. Jesus also said, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. There's a tension there. It doesn't mean we become these violent Christian activists, you know, walking around with submachine guns. No, 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 no. He said the kingdom of God suffers violence and violence. There are some things. What is it? God, the good deposit. When the enemy wants to come knock on your door and said, remember that prophecy that you got? Well, I don't think that's for you. You know, you kind of, you're not, you don't have what it takes to, to, to that scripture that you got, that promise in scripture, that, that, you know, that's not for you. Maybe for your children, you know, you're too old, you know. You, there's not enough time for you to, have you stopped guarding your scriptures? Have you stopped guarding the promises of God? Are you, are, you not, are you stopping getting violent about defending? Have you got out your spiritual submachine gun or sword of the spirit or shield of faith? And are you guarding the good deposit of things inside of you? Are you still running around for another prophecy just because you are not guarding the prophecy you got in 1973? Folks, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Folks, the spiritual war that you do, it's with the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sometimes is going to cause you, when there's doubt rising inside of you, and the Holy Spirit says, why on earth are you doubting? I gave that promise. I'm going to see it come to full. And there's something the Holy Spirit helps you, and there's this wrestle inside of you. Do I let go of the promise, or do I hold on to it? And sometimes the Holy Spirit says, no, I want you to fight for that. And that's what Bill Johnson says. Some things will come to you for free, and some things you've to go after in God. And I don't know what it is. It's a walk with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit showing you and leaving you. There are some spiritual battles that you and I need to make, and a lot of them are on the inside. And a lot of them are private, and a lot of those battles you and I, uh, I will never know about because they are being so real for you. We don't need to walk and talk and brag about all our spiritual battles, but they are real. Without question, the Apostle Paul was the consummate warrior. Never quitting, never flagging in his zeal for the Lord. He knew where lay the source of his strength. Jesus. His campaign to spread the gospel of Christ began on the Damascus Road and eventually took him across the ancient world on four missionary journeys. He had witnessed of Christ before Felix, King Agrippa and the rulers of Rome. He contended with false teachers and false brethren within the church. Paul's good fight, good fight, included, included an astonishing series of dangers and indignities. Even in these, he proclaimed his victory in Christ. He said, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul's life and ministry provide for us a powerful example for modeling Christ today. Not only did he fight the good fight, not the nasty, ugly fight, but he also finished the race and kept the faith. Let us follow his example and live lives that honor our King. Folks, live lives that honor our King.
there's, there's, there's some fights, there's some guarding that you and I, you know, I know, and it says by the Holy Spirit, there's some guarding that you and I need to do. What does that mean? You know, our property over here, we've increased the security on this property quite significantly. We noticed, you know, some, some Tootsies trying to do stuff and I don't want to freak you out and nothing has happened. Nothing has been stolen this property. Nobody has broken in. But let me tell you, we've seen evidences of Tootsies trying to do stuff on our perimeter boundary. So what do we do when we see, ah, there was a Tootsie trying to get over the wall over there? Folks, we fix it and we try and figure out, and this is how I do it. I try, and, and you know, this is, this is, you may think this is weird. I think I've got to think like a Tootsie now. <laughs> so what does that mean? I go around the back over there and I look at our boundary fence and I'm putting on my Tootsie eyes and I'm looking and I'm thinking, where are the weaknesses? If I was a Tootsie and I wanted to come into this property, where would I go for? And I looked, and I don't know if you noticed, we cut a whole lot of branch. There were some trees hanging over. And I was like, you know what? If I was a Tootsie, I'd try and climb under here and grab that branch over there and climb over here. Oh, I'm thinking I'd be a good Tootsie over here, let me tell you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, if I cut that branch over there, then me, the Tootsie, can't get over here. <laughs> and I get out the saw and I cut off the branch. Folks, guard the deposit. Are you aware of how the enemy has attacked you or may want to attack you in your life? Are you aware of times in your life where you are particularly susceptible to temptation? Steve Farrar, in his book, Finishing Strong, he shares about how um, in Vietnam, the guys would prepare for an ambush. So what does that mean? You're walking in your platoon through the jungle. You're walking. And before you get into the jungle where there's enemy around with AK-47s wanting to shoot at you, you are in training. You practice when we are walking through the jungle and we suddenly come and attack. What do we do? Okay? This guy goes to the left. Or those guys go to the left. Those guys go to the right. The guy with the radio, he falls back. The guys in the front, whoever, the, the commander, he's in the front. He's calling the shots. The lieutenant is doing this. The corporal is doing that. They have a plan of action for when they come under attack. Folks, it's not if you're under a spiritual attack. Folks, this guarding the deposit by the Holy Spirit is a 24-hour-7 thing. I mean, we have a contract with a, with a company over here. 24-7 they guard our property. And they work in shifts because the enemy knows he'd love to attack you when, you, when you're not aware. And Steve Farrar wrote, he says, those, those uh, soldiers who went to the Vietnam War, they planned and expected to come into an ambush and come under attack. And they planned for a plan of action what happens. You go there, I go there, you go there, you go there, and this is how we do it. Have you got a plan of action when you come under attack? Have you got a plan of attack, uh, a action? What does it mean when you are whatever? You know, times, for example, when you're really tired? Hey, when are you really tired? Friday evening? Maybe that's for you. What do you look like? Are you just going to walk into an ambush? Or are you prepared? Paul's life and ministry 
provide for us a powerful example for modeling Christ today. Not only did he fight the good fight, but he also finished the race and kept the faith. Let us follow his example and live lives that honor our King. Can I pray for us? Can I pray for us? You know, folks, Paul mentioned 23 people in this book. He was not alone. And I want to ask again that we stand and we maybe just grab hands of somebody next to you. You don't have to grab hands of necessarily. But just, you know, the example I gave of a platoon in the jungle coming under attack, they, they fight together. They fight together. You know, Paul was in a jail by himself, but there were 23 people that, that he was mentioning this letter to Timothy and he was calling and writing and asking Timothy to come in. He was not alone in the jail cell. He had a lot of people that was close and dear to his heart. And so, I, I want us to pray. And you know what? If we can, if we can I want to pray that to Timothy... Verse 14, Lord, you say in your word that we are to guard the good deposit that was entrusted to us. Lord, you say that we are to guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. God, there's so much goodness that you've placed inside of us. And Holy Spirit, we say we are dependent on you. Holy Spirit, as, as we grabbing friends' hands... Lord, we at the same time by faith grab your hand and say, Holy Spirit, help us to guard the deposit. To guard the good deposit. That's how it's described. The good deposit. The good you've put inside of us. Lord, may we be good gods, Lord. May we be good gods, Lord, that we would not be ignorant of spiritual tzotzis, Lord, or spiritual forces of wickedness, Lord, that do come against us, God. Lord, that we'd be aware of our perimeter fence, Lord. We'd be aware of our weaknesses, Lord, and we would take action. God, we want to finish strong. We want to honor you, Lord. We want want to live godly lives, God-honoring lives. And so God, help us in the daily, Lord. 60 years from from now is just too much for some of us to think about and too far for some of us, but... Daily is that we can do daily. Lord, I pray that we daily in your scriptures, Lord. We'd be daily communing with you, Lord. And God, as we're taking hands of brothers and sisters around us, God, thank you that we don't need to fight this fight alone, Lord. We are actually not expected to fight it alone, Lord. We meant to fight the good fight with brothers and sisters hand in hand, Lord. Thank you that we can. Thank you that we do. Lord, I thank you for this hand that I'm holding, Lord. This face, faithful warrior next to me. God, thank you that we can fight together. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. 
Join us for some live services. If you are visiting Peter Maritzburg in Peter Maritzburg or the surrounding areas, please do come through and join us from half past nine to 11 o'clock every Sunday at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg, South Africa, 3201.